Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on April 18th, 2021 on the basis of 1 John chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 2. and mercy and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We all have things in our life that bond us together with with someone else. Here's an example. You might bond with someone over your profession, what you do. You might like to recap the things that that you've encountered in your job because you share that in common. You might like to talk about ways that you can improve at your job. This, this job bonds you together with, with someone else in a way that maybe nothing else could. We also might be bonded together with somebody else based on some of our hobbies. Maybe you really love to, to garden, or you really like to sew, or you really like to experiment with different recipes, or you love to watch sports, or you like to build things. There's a hundred different things that you might bond with someone over. And because there's so many things that you might bond with somebody over, chances are that that you have a variety of interests and a variety of relationships in your life based on some of those interests. You might have a relationship with somebody based on your job. And so you bond over your job, but that relationship might look a lot different than the relationship you have with somebody that you you bond with over your your hobby. (laughs) You have common ground with both of them, but it's just different common ground. You probably don't use this word all that often. You've probably never used this word to, to talk about your relationships or your, your friends. But you could call this fellowship. Fellowship is having common ground with, with somebody else that, that binds you together. John is going to talk about fellowship at the opening of his letter, 1 John, this morning. But the fellowship that John is talking about is a much deeper, much more profound fellowship than anything earthly we could ever describe or imagine. So let's just start by reading the first four verses. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, the whole text is printed out on on page 11. We're going to take it in parts here this morning. First four verses say this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is God's word. The introduction to John's letter, it actually sounds a lot like the Gospel of John. If you were to open the Bible and you were going to read the Gospel of John and then you you compared it to to 1 John here, 
they would be very similar. John likes to jump in talking about Jesus and establishing that his message is coming from, from Jesus right away. He wants you to know who Jesus the Christ is, and he wants you to know some things about him. And so here he gives you four things right off the bat. They might seem simple, but we're going to go through them here. That which was from the beginning. In the Gospel of John, he says something similar. He says, he was with God in the beginning. What John is saying is Jesus is true God. He is true God. God from eternity. He has always existed and he always will. And then he gives three, three different things that, that show us that Jesus was, was human. He says, whom we have heard. That's, that's number two. John had heard Jesus preach with his own ears. Jesus was human and he had a voice. The third one, whom we have seen. John saw Jesus with his own eyes. He was human. He had a body. And the last one seems maybe a bit redundant, but it calls us back into the gospel lesson for today. Whom we've looked at and whom with our hands we have touched. And so you're pulled back into that scene after Jesus appeared. After he'd been risen from the dead, he appeared to the disciples and they were able to put their fingers in the wounds on his hand where the nails were driven through his hand. They were able to, to touch his side where the spear had pierced him. They, they had seen that he had truly died and that he had truly risen from the dead, and now he is still here in the body. And you might think, okay, we maybe would have got the idea had he said we heard Jesus or, or we saw Jesus, we would have gotten the idea. Jesus is human. He had a body. Why, why does he start off by saying this right off the bat? Well, John is writing to a people that were exposed to a specific heresy at the time, a false teaching. And this false teaching was called Gnosticism. And so I hope this maybe piques your interest. Maybe I'll do a Bible study on Gnosticism in the future. We're not going to go into in-depth about what Gnosticism is, but it was important to establish that Jesus didn't just appear to be a man, but he was truly man and God in the flesh. And then he goes on to say this proclamation that he is making has a purpose. The proclamation about Jesus, whom we've established was God in man, this has a purpose for you and for your life. He says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so the goal of proclamation, of the proclamation of Jesus, is fellowship. Who caught that? Fellowship with God, one of the highest privileges that anybody could ever hope to have. It's a beautiful friendship. It's an indescribable union. It's a, it's a relationship of perfect peace and perfect harmony, unlike we've ever experienced before. Adam and Eve experienced it. They experienced it in the garden. They, they were they had an indescribable union with the Father as they walked with him and kept his commands. It was a beautiful thing as God showered blessings on them and as he even physically walked with, with Adam and Eve in the garden and, and talked with them. This was a, a fellowship unlike we've ever experienced or, or anybody else has ever experienced in their life before. And this was all possible because Adam and Eve had something in common with, with God. They were light. Adam and Eve were light. There was no darkness in them. The sin had not entered the world. Darkness had not entered the world. They were perfectly light, 
just as God is light. If we want to have fellowship with God, we need to know who God is. And and John tells us in verse 5, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Which kind of makes the fall into sin highly problematic, right? The entrance of sin into the world is the entrance of darkness into the world, and the entrance of darkness into the world uh, marked the the beginning of a broken relationship between us, (laughs) humans, and God. And in the garden, we see this firsthand. Adam and Eve, after they sin, you you remember what they do, They, they go and hide from their former friend, from their friend who they used to have walks in the garden with and talking with, who they used to have perfect union with and harmony and peace and and all those blessings, now they're hiding from him because they're they're scared. They don't want him to know what, what they did. They don't want him to find out. They don't want to admit it to him, let alone admit it to themselves. This darkness had broken the relationship between God and man in a drastic way, an irreparable way. And that darkness that, that pervaded Adam and Eve after that, that darkness that clung to them, has been the darkness that has been passed on to, to you and I. Our sin, our darkness clings to us like, like a leech. You know, leeches, they have those, those little suckers on the end, and, and they, they stick to you, and they're hard to get off. And just like sin, when we think we got one of them off, when we think we finally conquered one of those sins, five more cling to us. We try with all our might to be light, to, to regain that fellowship with God, but as hard as we try, we, we continue to walk in darkness. And, and so, it's pretty convicting then to us when we hear John's words in verse 6. In verse 6, he says this, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. As John writes these words, you can bet that John himself is convicted by this (laughs) because John knew his own heart. John knew the, the unwanted thoughts that passed through his, his brain. John knew that the secret sins that knew, no one else knew about. He knew his own heart. He knew that he had tried really hard to be light, but as he, he stood back and took stock of his entire life, his life was riddled with evidence of, of darkness. Now, I don't have the inside scoop on John. I didn't discover some, some ancient manuscript that listed all of John's sins. That It doesn't exist, to my knowledge, anyways. But, but I can say quite confidently that John is convicted when he writes these words because I know what the Bible says about the human heart and the darkness that exists in, exists in the human heart. I can say quite confidently because I, I know my, my own heart and I know that the darkness that exists here. John says if we don't come to grips with that, if we don't recognize that, that we have, have fellowship not with God, but with the darkness, then we're not walking in, in the truth. Then we're, we're living a lie, and in fact, we're, we're calling God a liar because he, he has told us that we, we are walking in the darkness here. John says in two different verses, verse 8 and verse 10, he says, 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And again in verse 10 he says this, If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So John doesn't have the secret scoop on the people who have written his, his letters either. He doesn't know each individual person that he's writing this letter to. He doesn't know all of you who are, are still reading his, his letter today, but he can say quite confidently that if you claim to be without sin, then you're making God out to be a liar because he understands human nature. He understands the darkness that has been passed on from generation to generation, spanning all the way back to, to Adam and Eve. And so when we think about that, that darkness that has infected us, the sin that's infected us, when we think about the active sins that we have committed, even the sins that, that we don't know anything about, we didn't even realize we were sinning, but we did, these are, are acts of darkness, and darkness cannot have fellowship with light. You, you cannot have fellowship with God and continue to walk in darkness, continue to walk in sin. And so it's kind of at this point that we, we reach a crossroads. A crossroads of sorts where we, re, where we recognize that, that the greatest hindrance, the greatest obstacle to my fellowship with God is not other people, other things. The greatest obstacle to my fellowship with God is me. <laughs> I'm the one that, that has broken that, that fellowship with God because I, I have sinned, because I am sin. I can try really hard to be light. I can try harder and work harder to do good, but it's not going to do me any good. I'm going to fail. I've already, I've already given in to so much darkness anyway that there, there's nothing that's going to fix me from, that, I can, and that I can do. I could, like John said, try to push it off and say, well, I'm not going to deal with it, right? I'm just going to forget that I, I sin. I'm, I'm going to refuse to admit it even to my, myself. But that's not going to do me any practical good either. I am the, the greatest hindrance to my fellowship with God. But there's good news here, too. Jesus enters. Listen to the next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The solution to the broken fellowship between God and man is not me or my own effort. We've established that I'm the greatest hindrance to my fellowship with God. The only way that fellowship can be regained with God is through Jesus. Jesus, who came to, to wash you and purify you of all of your sins. Jesus who came to, to reinstate that fellowship between God and man. Who came to, to drive the darkness out of your, your life and make you light by, by the forgiveness that he gave you. By the substitution that he made for you on, on the cross and when he rose from, from the dead. And then he even adds another element here. You, you caught it. He says, we also have fellowship with one another. So through Jesus, not only have you been brought into the, the circle of fellowship with God again, but you've also been given fellowship with the people that also are in that, that circle with you, with, with fellow believers. 
You heard me kind of describing at the beginning fellowship. And I think saying that, that fellowship is common ground is maybe a good way to, for us to try to, to picture this, that, that we have fellowship with someone based on our, our mutual interests in, in the church. We, we have fellowship with, with people based on our, our belief, our, our confession. We have fellowship with God because he has brought us back in, Jesus has brought us back into the light. Now we have that in common with, with God again. But as every human description fails to, to capture the beauty and the grandeur of this, uh, of what the biblical text is proposing, here is another one of those places. I could try to describe to you and try to convince you how awesome it is that, that we have fellowship together because we all believe in Jesus and we're all committed to Jesus as our Savior from sin. I try to convince you that, that it's pretty awesome that we all believe the, the same thing and that we all confess the same thing and those are all really good things. Uh, but I'm using words that, that maybe can't even describe the beautiful fellowship that we have with, with believers. Anything that I could say would fail to, to get us to wrap our heads around the, this union that we have with God and, and with one another that are sitting here bound together by, by Jesus' blood, by, by what Jesus did for us, bound together by forgiveness. This is, a, this is heavenly business here. You have been spiritually bound to God and to one another. It's a, it's a pretty awesome thing and an amazing blessing from God as we, we can support each other and be there for each other throughout our lives too. So, what binds you together with your faithful God he lays out in verse 9. What binds you together with each other, he lays out in verse 9. He says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is based on the sacrifice that Jesus made. In, in chapter 2, verse 2, we jump into the last verse, he says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus and the forgiveness that he has won has brought you back into fellowship with God. And when Jesus and his forgiveness rules your relationships, your, your fellowship with people here on earth, it completely transforms those relationships. You are bound together by something spiritual here because you're bound together by something that doesn't come from this world. We understand justice pretty well. We understand this is wrong, this is right. We can kind of get a handle on some of those things. But we needed to be taught and shown forgiveness. Forgiveness that came from, from Jesus. Forgiveness that completely wiped out all of our sins, didn't expect anything in return, but, but completely washed away our sins and opened heaven to us. And so when Jesus and that forgiveness rules your relationships, you have true fellowship with believers here on, on earth, and it's a beautiful thing. Christians really do have it all. <laughs> You've been washed by the blood of Jesus, purified by him. And in case you, you didn't believe that, in case you had some doubt still remaining, God gave you that verse that says, if you confess your sins, he is what? faithful and just, and will forgive you your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. But if you still thought that God was mad at you, then, then he says in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, 
that he has given you Jesus as your advocate. He is standing before the Father and he is advocating on your behalf. He's saying, let, let him grow. Let her grow. They believe in me. I made the sacrifice for them. Their sins are forgiven. And if you still thought that that sacrifice wasn't for you, he says in the last verse, I'll read it again. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. No one's excluded. Jesus died for the sins of the world. So you've heard me make reference to almost every, every verse of this section. But, but I think it'd be kind of a cool thing for us to just, after listening to all of that, just read that, that section in total again to, to close the sermon for today. So if you want to follow along on page 11, we'll read 1 John chapter 1, going all the way to chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen.